The Whole Life Success Show, Episode 19. Discover your path to success with the truth, fresh perspectives, and the real-life advice that you need in order to achieve life success. Hello, Life Warriors, and welcome back to the Whole Life Success Show. I'm your host, Paul Mantello, and I'm glad to have you back today. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Christine Till. Christine was fired at 50 and went on to write a book about it titled Fired and Wired at 50 and has become known as the Marketing Mentress, specifically with LinkedIn. So turn up the volume, Life Warriors, and listen up as she tells us about her journey and some valuable lessons that she's acquired throughout the way. Hello, Christine, and welcome to the show. Hello, Paul. It is an awesome pleasure to be on the show with you today. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for making time and coming on the show. I'm really excited to uh, talk to you about this topic today. So basically, I'd like to start out with finding out a little bit more about Fired at 50. What exactly happened there? (laughs) Well, you know, uh, when you're in your 50s, I discovered not everybody wants you. And I had been working, well, I'll just start at the beginning. January the 4th of 2011, I walked into my office with my uh, marketing plan in my hand, all ready to go. I was the director of sales and marketing for a senior care organization. And I was immediately invited to go and sit down in the conference room. And my boss came in and shut the door behind me. I didn't even have my coat off. And you know the feeling you get. Uh, This isn't good. I don't know if I really, really like what's going to happen here. (laughs) And you sort of know. You just know what's going to happen. And as the the owner proceeded to explain how hard a worker I was and how he appreciated working with me and that's why he kept me on so long, I sat there and I remembered I'd been working, the company had been open for seven years, been in business for seven years, and I'd been there two and a half of those years. And I was number seven in a long line of sales reps. So what does that tell you about the company? <laughs> So he must have liked my work ethic because here I was two and a half years later. And he also forgot that within the first six months of having me work for the company, I had brought their sales up to the tune of 22000 a month. And so their sales had come up from about approximately 36000 up to 58000 within the first six months of me being there. But he forgot about all that. <laughs> And he wanted the sales to be at 70000 a month, and they weren't at 70000 a month yet. And so he decided he was going to try another salesperson. So that would have been salesperson number eight. So then after that experience, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm in my 50s. I, and the reason I say fired at 50, because it rang better than fired at 55. <laughs> and I thought, I can go and get a job. Well, you know, I sent out a myriad of resumes and got four interviews. And out of those four interviews, I got one job offer for $10 an hour. Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? While I had been working with the senior care organization, I uh, was having a see some Marjorie Daw back and forth with him about online marketing and their own research showed that 73% of the time seniors make decisions 
the kids are involved, and it was usually the gals, but they're not able to be at a presentation at 10 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon at a senior center when my boss wanted me to be out marketing the business. They're at work. And so in order to reach these gals, where were we going to go? He wouldn't pay me for, for doing evening presentations. I had to do it all on my own time. If I did anything on the weekends, I had to do it on my own time. And so I thought, well, I'm going to start a podcast show. And so there was born Elder Care 911, and I became the Elder Care Specialist. And I did that, interviewed people. I used LinkedIn to find people to interview in my area that could talk about different things to do with seniors. And the very first time I posted a podcast on Facebook, within an hour, I had a response from a gal on Facebook who said, oh my gosh, I had no idea somebody was there to help me with my 95-year-old dad. I had no idea. And then I found out later her dad was dead and it was too late for her, but it proved that's where the gals are. They're online. And even though I showed my boss this and we uh, had phone calls at night to our answering service, uh, people, women crying because they couldn't stand the being pressured between their aging parents and their careers and their families. And they were looking for relief. He still refused to let me do any online marketing. So I continued that program. And then, so then when he let me go, they call it being pink slipped, you know, downsized, laid off. But if they don't have another job, you're being fired. So that's where the name Fired at 50 came from. And then the extension, the subtitle is Stop Looking for Work and Discover What You Were Meant to Do. So after I had this experience of not getting another job, I went, well, enough of this nonsense. Well, I've got my podcast show. I could start another one about marketing. So I brainstormed with my oldest son, and the marketing mentors came out. So I started my marketing mentors show. And I I take my, my show just a little step further. I write a blog about each person that I'm interviewing, and I use LinkedIn to find people to interview on my show. And... At first, I was doing them for nothing, not charging anything, and now I've got people wanting to pay to be on my show. So it totally evolves. Um, it's, it totally evolved from that. Wow, that's incredible. So basically, if I'm hearing you correctly, getting fired was a good thing. Yeah, it really was. I would never have um, really... I've learned so much more since I was fired than what I had when I was working full-time. You don't have as much time to read and study and and learn more about your online processes. And So when I wrote my book, what inspired the book was the fact that I started going to networking meetings and I'd go and look around these tables and 60 to 70% of the people sitting around those tables were bald, or they had gray hair. And I went, oh my goodness, these people are just like me, thinking in my mind, right? You don't dare say it out loud. And I watched people struggling with their marketing. And most of them, you know, they've either left their job because they're sick and tired of 
having a thumb on them and and trying to to get sense out of working with whoever they're working with or they're they're laid off or fired basically and when you're in your 50s if you've been raising kids and helping them through university you still have mortgage to pay because you've remortgaged <laughs> so here you are sitting you need to be working still. You need to be bringing in an income. You don't have dementia. You still are active mentally. And why don't people want to hire these people? Well, I discovered that it's not personal. It's not discrimination. Businesses are just making a business decision. I have a certification in business management and accounting. And I worked for a large organization that was a large out-of-school daycare program in the 1990s and discovered that when people in the organization use the extended medical program, it drives the monthly premiums higher. So that's one of the concerns that businesses have. If they're hiring somebody over 50, the statistics show that those people are going to use their extended health program far more than the younger people. That's one thing. The second thing is they look at you and they say, okay, you might be really healthy right now, but I really want to hire somebody that's going to want to be with us long term. Are you going to be physically healthy for five years, 10 years, 15 years? How long am I going to be able to count on you? So they look at that. And the third thing, and a lot of people 50 plus don't realize this, but during the interview, they kind of write themselves off because they're looking at this 35-year-old HR person who's interviewing them and they're thinking in the back of their mind, whoa, with my experience, I could be doing your job. That comes across in the interview. You don't realize it, but it does. And I've spoken to HR directors and one in particular was um, a nurse and she was managing a whole medical wing and managed all the staff And she said she has never hired anybody over 50 because they write themselves off with their attitude. And so when we're looking for work, no matter how old we are, we still need to have that childlike thinking, I'm here to learn whatever I can learn and to help you guys however I can help you. That sort of needs to be the idea or the thought that goes through your mind rather than, oh, I could do your job. So those three things are very key to people being over 50. In fact, people in their 40s are having that challenge. And one time I was at a networking meeting and there was a guy there who was well into his 50s, I would say maybe in his early 60s. And he was wearing a wrinkly polo shirt. He was trying to do that 5 o'clock shadow, but he had salt and pepper in his beard and really could have used the head uh, haircut, <laughs> head trim. And he had blue jeans. They were probably $300 jeans. They were designer jeans with the, you know, the holes in them <laughs> that are supposed to be in, really in. And, um, and a bright orange pair of runners. And he stood up. He had a degree in philosophy, a doctorate in philosophy. And he stood up and talked about all the things that he could do to help us and and if you can, if you need this, I can do this. And if you need this, I can do this. And the look on the faces of the people around that table, they were all feeling so uncomfortable for him. And But you can't go up to somebody and just give them a hug and say, you need to lose the polo shirt. 
but because you just you tear down their whole self esteem. I see it also in the opposite, where if you're too young, or if you're young rather, and you're just starting out in the workforce, you kind of have a similar approach, and where. Instead of saying, hey, I know I can do your job, you say, hey, I know I should have your salary, even though I might not be able to do your job. (laughs) Yeah, that can work both ways. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, I can see that. So now, what would you say was the big takeaway from that meeting with this guy that has this wrinkly shirt on and here he is trying to help you guys? And what advice would you offer somebody that, you know, was in the same position that you were? Well, I, uh, I'll sort of answer that in a roundabout way, if you don't mind. I, that's why I wrote my book. I wrote it as a self-help. I told my story and wrote the book as a, a guideline for people to help them. So it covers how to dress for success, a little bit of that, and a little bit of social media marketing, what all the different platforms are for, how to use them, and what kinds of things you do when you're out marketing yourself and I've taught through one of the local colleges I've taught several workshops one was called enhancing your personal marketability in fact that was what I was going to title my book and when I was uh, writing my book I put the put that out there with some people and they said who's going to buy that book and I went oh I thought it was such a good title (laughs) so we brainstormed and came up with fired at 50 stop looking for work and discover what you're meant to do so that has been a much more catchy title so it's a self-help book and that's what a lot of people aren't even aware and especially when you've been around for a few years or even if you haven't if you're in your 20s you know necklines need to be watched by the gals and hemlines and the kind of of dress that you have um Clean-shaven faces sell 10 to 1, for instance. Hot pink sells 10 to 1. If you if a woman wears a hot pink shirt uh, or blouse and the men wear a hot pink tie, when you go to a sales meeting, they sell 10 to 1. That's the stats. And gals, if they wear a skirt when they're doing sales, skirts sell 10 to 1. That's the stats. And no matter how we think we look professional in a, a dressy, classy slack suit, there's still that underlying thought that goes through our subconscious that says, oh, they're trying to wear the pants. And both men and women think the same way, whether we want to agree to it or admit to it or not. So those are some of the things that I tried to cover to help people in my book. That's interesting. So if I wear a hot pink tie, I have 10 times the opportunity of selling than if I wear a different color tie. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's uh, you can just look up the stats for colors that sell. Yeah, no, I believe you. I'm just saying that I find that really (laughs) interesting that, you know, just down to your tie, you know, and also the part that you said earlier, which was that, you know, you go in there with a certain mindset and you have this predetermined mindset and preconceived notion like, you know, I, I can do your job and I can probably do it better than you. I'm older than you and I have more experience than you. And that definitely is going to spill over into the way that you present yourself when you're talking to people. That's so true. So true. So, Christine, how then did you go about taking the marketing mentors, you know, to 
the next level. Like, you know, you, you started out with not really much experience with the LinkedIn. What tips would you offer people for making better use of LinkedIn with marketing? Well, there are some key things that I discovered uh, when I got started using LinkedIn. I discovered that the average age of people on LinkedIn is 43 years. So you've got seasoned business people. The average annual income of people on LinkedIn is 125000 as opposed to Facebook, where I think the average annual income on Facebook is somewhere around twenty two to 25000 And you go, okay, where are the people who can afford to buy my stuff? And I realized as I was going to networking meetings and chatting with small business owners, most of them had no idea how to use LinkedIn. Uh, They knew that it was a business platform that was different than Facebook. And so then I started offering my services to coach people and help them develop a killer profile. That was where it started. And then it went, it expanded more because I get 80% of my clients now through LinkedIn. And there are some new statistics that have come out in this, uh, just in the first few months of this year, where they're saying that businesses that use LinkedIn to the max are finding that they're getting 80% of their business through LinkedIn as well. I was talking to a realtor of all people who is in Edmonton, close to here to where, do I, where I am. And he gets 80% of his clients through LinkedIn. It's all about building relationships with people. It's not about blasting people with your pitch. So when somebody wants to connect with you, if you have time or can make time, use a, a letter that can respond back to them, accept their connection request, and and then have something in there that you... I've got several different form letters that I've saved in a Word document that I will attach and then just tweak a little bit to suit each individual person that's, uh, that connects with me and thank them for con- reaching out and connecting with me and ask them how they are and invite them to connect with my other platforms. And offer my services, say, I look forward to being able to help you in some way and find ways that we can collaborate. And people respond so well to that. They want to collaborate with other people because everybody on LinkedIn wants to do business in some way. Either they want to find a job, do make a sale, or find a customer or something like that on LinkedIn. Wow, that's some great advice. So basically, it's don't just start pounding people over the head, you know, with uh, offers. It's start start out as you would if you met them in person. Start talking to them, asking them about themselves, and find out a little bit of information. Tell them a little bit about you, and I guess kind of like that first date. Yes, it's like it's like a huge networking meeting, and you think how you behave in a networking meeting. I've written some blog posts about this. One of them I called. Are you a wallflower? Are you signing up, getting on there, and sitting on the bleachers and waiting for somebody to come and ask you to dance? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, my goodness. 
and you know, when we're teenagers growing up, I can remember sitting on the bleachers and seeing all these other gals that were dancing, and I thought, why are they dancing? Why are they always, is it because they're a better dancer? Or are they better looking than me? But it wasn't either of those things. If they were a better dancers, it's because they were dancing more. But it was all about how they made the guys feel when they were dancing with them. And so the same is dancing with people on your social media. People will flock to you as you make them feel better about themselves and their businesses. And we have to remember that all these people online are people. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest part that, you know, sometimes you forget because you're doing everything electronically. On a monitor, you see pictures, but that's about it. And you forget that, you know, there is a person on the other side receiving the message. That's right. They have feelings and thoughts and ideas, and they are intelligent beings. So, you know, and that I think that that's, it's really good that they've brought in some of these identity protectors and spam protectors with online marketing because people were just blasting other people on the different platforms and without permission to send the messages. But one thing that LinkedIn has is you can send messages to people without being connected to them. In fact, I've got a a workshop that I do, and it's called Connecting Without Being Connected. And it's all about how to use LinkedIn as a free platform like it was a paid platform and how to reach out to people and message people on LinkedIn and build the relationships that you need and want for business. So now, Christine, I mean, this sounds like great information, but the question that I have is how much time will this take? I mean, what if you, you know, you have a job, you have other obligations, how much time is somebody supposed to commit to doing this? Well, once you get your profile all set up on LinkedIn, um, then it should only take you 30 minutes once or twice a day to just keep on top of it and just just do small steps, five people a day. Just five people a day, maybe 10, whatever you can do in a half hour. I found, and I send individual, and, and it's really good that LinkedIn is only set up that you cannot do um, uh, unless you upload. If you upload all your connections onto uh, another file, then you can set that up to do a mail merge. But if you want to just stay on the LinkedIn platform and send one message at a time to people, and the the whole key to LinkedIn, the secret to LinkedIn, is joining group and messaging people through the group. But you don't just say, Hi, Joe, I noticed that you're in the same group I'm in. Here's what I do, and I've got a special this week. And if you sign up within 24 hours, you can get it for this price. You're pitching them and slapping them in the face. It's like you've been slapped in the face when when you do that. But what you do is you reach out to the members of the group and you say, Hi, I'm Christine Till. I'm the, the LinkedIn marketing mentorist. And I noticed that you... Do da 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 da. I wonder if you wouldn't mind me asking you a few questions about that. And you get them talking about yourself 
And then you say, as they're in in your course of exchanging LinkedIn emails, you haven't even exchanged your real emails right away. Usually you ask about them first. They'll come back to you and they'll say, oh, thanks for asking, and they'll tell you a little bit about them, but they usually reciprocate and say, so what about you? Then you have an opportunity to share a little bit about yourself. And usually from that point, you decide that you want to connect on LinkedIn and you connect and usually here's the secret to being on any kind of social media, the big secret that most people forget. And that is, pardon pardon me if I'm sounding a little bit too authoritarian, but the big secret is you build the relationships online, but the secret to doing business is bringing that relationship to a face-to-face of some sort. So I've done uh, business with people all over the United States in Australia, New Zealand, the UK, Cyprus, (laughs) and uh, Morocco, so and all over Canada as well. And so I'm going, you know, it's all about building those relationships. We had to do the face-to-face on Skype or some kind of an online medium where we could use video. Uh, Some people I just brought the first face-to-face as a phone call. Uh, others I invited to an, a meeting or a webinar, and sometimes it was a free webinar. And diff- there's different ways that you can bring people to some sort of a face-to-face because we're gregarious and we pick up on people's intonations in their voice, on their their mannerisms, their facial expressions, and you can very quickly get a feel for somebody just by hearing your voice and decide whether you want to move it to the next level or not. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's some great insight. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's people selling themselves, basically. Right. So do you like sales? No, nobody likes sales, I don't think. I mean, you know, what? it's not the... Not, not the salesy, not the salesy part of it. You know, it's it's you know, like you said, the spammers and the people that jump down your throat. Like most most people that I know have a phobia around sales. When they hear sales, they they freak out, they panic, and they're thinking uh, snake oil salesman. You know, and it's because they keep getting pitched the wrong way. You know, people are worried about you know selling instead of worrying about what the people are concerned about. I mean, the sales process itself. It's great when you do it right, you know, and people like to buy things, but they just don't like to be sold things. Yes, it's all about how can I help you, right? Yeah, and I see it from my line of work where people become, I guess, frustrated and, you know, they become uh, desperate for money and funds that they forget that they're dealing with other human beings and they just bombard them and push and put pressure on and that's where the salesy person comes and it's like you know they're just trying to make a paycheck because they have bills to pay right and and you really don't feel special you know people want to buy from somebody that they know they like and they trust right absolutely that whole no like and trusting always resonated with me and it makes sense because when i put myself in other people's positions or you know in the customer's shoes I think about it and I say to myself, okay, really, what is it that makes me want to purchase from this person? 
And usually it's because I feel comfortable. I feel like I can resonate with them. They're not being pushy. They're not really, you know, forcing me to do anything that I don't want to do. And in fact, I find it more interesting that usually when they're not pushing me to buy something, I'm pushing them to sell it to me. Right. (laughs) And And I think, you know, when you stop and you think about it, if you can remove the stress and whatever else is going on, and you can take the approach that you said, which is a more civilized approach, where treat people like people and don't forget that they are people and, you know, they want to buy stuff. You know, we all want to buy things. Buying things makes us feel better. You know, that's number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, we're always in need of something. So, you know, we're always on the search, but it's, you know, the ugliness, I guess, that comes out, like you said, from the personalities, from, uh, I guess, the assumptions that people make and the way it's interpreted. And you can see it if it's a hungry salesman that just cares about making a buck or it's somebody that really cares about helping you moving it forward and, you know, getting closer to what it is you're looking to achieve. Right. You know, whether we want to believe it or not, we're all in sales, everybody. Whether you're a housewife or or an uncle or an aunt, a grandpa, uh, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, we're all in sales. We're all selling ourselves to everybody we meet, our spouses, our families, everybody we meet throughout the day. And most of us don't realize that how we treat other people is all about how we are selling ourselves to them. Yeah. And you know, I always tell people, you were born a salesman. You just didn't realize it. I mean, when you're when you're born and you're a baby, you cry when you want something, right? And then when you go to the supermarket with mom, you know, you you, you start nagging her, but mommy, please, I want this, I want this. And <laughs> you, you're constantly selling. But I think what happens is when the desperation kicks in, we resort back to that baby sales method, you know, of crying and throwing the tantrum. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's, here's something that, that really works great with people I've discovered is if you ask people to help you, you say something like, who do you know who's looking for da-da-da-da? And here's the link. If you you know somebody who's looking for such and such, please forward this to them. I'd really appreciate your help. And that, I get a lot of people helping me that way. And I get sales that way. Everybody wants to be a part of the process. Everybody wants to feel better about themselves. And if they mm-hmm. know that they can help somebody else, why not, right? That's so true. So true. Well, Christine, in wrapping up, how can people find your book? Well, my book, I've got it both in Kindle paperback on uh, Amazon.com, .ca, and .uk. So pretty much anybody around the world can access my book that way. And you can also, if you want to have a conversation with me, I'm open to having a conversation with anybody. Marketingmentress.com is my website. And do you have any last tips or any last bit of advice that you'd like to tell people before we say goodbye? Yeah. Remember that you can do anything that you put your mind to. But you need a coach. I couldn't have said it better myself. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Life Warriors, that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Like always, go out there and live life to your fullest, and I'll catch you on that battlefield where we fall life. And don't forget to subscribe so that you'll be notified when the latest episodes are released.